Bottle Episode is a spirited podcast about spiritist libations. Those under their country's legal drinking age should turn off this podcast and go do their homework. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Bottle Episode, the professional bartender's guide for the cocktail enthusiast. I'm your host, one of them, that is uh, Lan Tollison. I'm a professional bartender. And I'm Elise Nye. I'm a cocktail enthusiast. Yep. (laughs) That's about it. Guys, we are Uh, having a great time over here uh, with one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Uh, Just a great friend and one of the most creative minds that I have met as a cocktail bartender uh, he's making a gross face. He doesn't like when I say nice things about him. He is one of my favorite coworkers. His name is Christopher James Roden. Howdy. That is not his middle name. <laughs> what is your middle name? Uh, it's Anthony, actually. Anthony. Yeah, but James feels better. <laughs> <laughs> I like Anthony. I think that's good. When we Car. were when we were like last year for my birthday, I ran a session of D and D for everyone. Uh, and I was coming up with names for all these characters because a lot of folks hadn't played before. And I was was coming up with like, you know, fantasy names for everyone. And then when it got to your character, I was just like, Christopher James Roden. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, is this your middle name? It felt right to me. And he was like, no. <laughs> it would be great if it was, though. And he was like, honestly, go for it. I, I was like, I can come up with a real fantasy name for you. I mostly just thought this is funny. And he was like, no, keep it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, that was like a really solid, like, ha, 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 ha. All right. I was say, <laughs> Almost as if I edited serious, it, but no. I didn't. Stop so hard. I was like, well, anyway. <laughs> so tell me more about where you started in the service industry and uh, what brought you to Austin, the Roosevelt Room. And, uh, you know, just cocktail bartending in general. So growing up, my experience with alcohol was very limited, as as we hope for most kids would mm-hmm. be. Um, that being said, it was limited to the cooler room at the nursing home I worked at and just to the uh, Sunday service line. So, you know, a box of Franzia, a couple glasses, you don't notice it. Uh, <laughs> just add water, right? Is that, that what you do? Well, I don't. Think, well, I, I don't turned think, it to wine first. I don't, think had, <laughs> I, I don't think we've had anyone on yet that's been like when I was a kid. When I well, was, a, we 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 said scary. specifically. We said specifically at the top of the episode that people that were under the drinking age should go do their homework, Rodin. Yeah, this I, is a bad message. Well, so I swore it off. I I was like, no, no, I'm gonna be a good kid. And I never did it again, mm-hmm. not once, uh, until I got to college. And you did all your homework. I did all my homework. Had so your grades straight A's. I never watched Netflix during class. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, who, who would, would? Who would ever do that? How would they know though? <laughs> um, but anyway, no. So my <laughs> my experience with alcohol was super limited, um, and I moved to New Orleans, not really knowing and what everything changed. Everything changed. <laughs> I experienced alcohol. Uh, but I really didn't want to like keep waiting tables or doing whatever I was doing. And so I was just looking for a job to get by and I ended up starting bar backing at this place. It was a wine 
place, wine restaurant, um, with white tablecloths, like super fancy. I'm like a 19 year old kid. I'm like, ah, that seems a bit pretentious. Like my experience with wine is Francia. Mm-hmm. Um, one time only. And then he was like, that's bad. And one time only. Right. And I was like, well, wine is bad. Why would I want to go work with wine? Mm-hmm. Uh, lo and behold, being 19 with no work experience, I was a bit hard to hire. <laughs> um, so I went back to that place I had gotten an application from and ignored. Uh, and I filled out an application, got interviewed, and like got a job bar backing. Uh, and the bar manager there, uh, my first job, my first shift bar backing, kind of gave me a tour to the back bar, and it wasn't quite like anything I had experienced before. I started to see nuance and flavor and a difference in something that I had kind of written off mm-hmm. as, oh, that's just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, lo and behold, five years later, uh, I moved to Austin because I didn't want to live in Dallas. Uh, good look, reasons. Look, Dallas is nice and all, but I get it. You know, it, it. Wait, so, but you were moving, sorry, you were moving out of New Orleans? Yeah, I was moving out of New Orleans because my partner's family lived in Dallas. Okay. Um, And so. And Austin, but, closer than Dallas. Closer than, well, Clo- or closer, closer than New Orleans. I mean, probably like, nah, closer not. to Austin than Dallas, too. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I meant. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I just moved to Austin hearing it was a good cocktail city. I didn't know about any of the bars in Austin or anything. Um, and I had happened upon a Roosevelt room on the spirited awards. I think I was like, Oh shit, that's in Austin. Like I'll go work there. Um, and so I was, I put in an application and they were, uh, they gave me a bar backing position and I was very, Oh shit. Yeah. Woo about it. But that's that. Deep down, you resented me. Deep down, deep down. And not so deep down. And not so deep down, I knew Land Holliston would be my greatest enemy. And and thus we are. And one day we shall battle upon the heights of the cliffs of Dover. <laughs> so wait, who started working at Roosevelt Room first? Uh, neither of us. We started on the exact same day. Okay. Well, then there there we have it. Because I, I was like, I feel like... That sounds right, but I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah, when when both of us started, we uh, they had just they were just starting to reopen uh, after they had closed down for for several months during the like initial wave of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. September of 2020, they were reopening, and they needed to build up their staff a little bit more. You know, not everybody stuck around with the furloughs and everything, and so uh, they hired me. They hired Armando, who's been on the podcast already, and they also hired Johnny, uh, mm-hmm. who is currently going through our bartender training program. Uh, and we all started on the same day. Johnny left for a little bit. I yeah, think Johnny he, like, broke his foot. Yeah, he broke his foot, so he couldn't walk. He's a klutz. Around. He's not very good at walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Um, but uh, yeah, all, all of us started that same that same day. We were all like kind of seeing the space for the first time and mm-hmm. and meeting everyone for the first time. Forced myself to eat chicken liver mousse because I didn't want to be the nerd that didn't eat all the things, <laughs> all the mm-hmm. new food menu items. Do you <laughs> like chicken liver mousse now? Uh, I like that one. It's pretty okay. Yeah. I I'm like... not really a meat paste guy. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. It's I a mean, hard sell for like, me. I like chicken liver mousse. I like good chicken liver mousse. Ours is good. 
I've had some great chicken. There's some really, really dope meat. Yeah, spreads. pate like good salami. pate. Okay. The best pate I've ever had is at Henrietta Red in Nashville. Mm, I've had pate there on two occasions. Both times I've been blown away by it. Hmm. Gotcha. First time I ever had it. First time I ever had pate was at Henrietta Red, and then when we went back to Nashville last July, I had yeah. it again, and it was spectacular. Um, ours is good. It's not as good as that, but it's well, really good. You know. Um, but anyway, that's not the point. The quality of the food at the Roosevelt Room is not the point. Right, we're not talking about this right now. It's really good. Everybody should try it. Um, I have potato pancakes every single you day. You do. Work. You do every that's, single day. That's a true thing. That's how I break my uh, fast every morning. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because you wake up thirty minutes before you have to be at work. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we we both kind of found the Roosevelt Room. Uh, I, it was amazing. I like just by circumstance and not because I actually deserved it, uh, went through the programs a little bit ahead of you. And it was really cool to watch like the growth of like you and Armando together and Curtis, uh, uh, Curtis Janto, who also works with us. Uh, he came on a little bit later, but he also started the training program at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, and y'all graduated like two months after me. Yeah, it wasn't anything too crazy. I well, because like you had taken some time off, mm -hmm. um, and so I remember you came back and just like flew onto the scene. And yeah, it's like all of a sudden I'm like, dang, Lance like flipping tens and stuff. <laughs> I don't think they trained him to do that. <laughs> I don't, Why is he flipping? You think tins? he'll teach me? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it's uh, but but it was amazing to watch like your growth and your trajectory and like that creativity that you like that you always had and see how the Roosevelt room shaped uh, the way you created cocktails and the, and like the balance with which you approach things and everything. Like you still, you still retained that kernel of creativity, but it's become like so, so much more focused and so like expressive and, and wonderful. You've created some of my favorite cocktails I've ever had. So you're too kind. You're too kind. Yeah, I know actually, uh, that was all a lie. You want to? I was too kind. Can I let you in on a little secret? Sure. I have a ghostwriter. <gasps> Who is it? <laughs> uh, Beyonce. Wow. Yeah. Good get. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Nobody gets Beyonce to write their cocktail specs for him. <clears throat> well, you and I actually both have a similar uh, obsession, uh, or I don't know if I would call it an obsession, but it's you and I both have a similar proclivity. Mm -hmm. Um. And we both are drinking said proclivity currently. I've finished mine because I'm a fast drinker. Um, He's a thirsty boy. Thirsty boy, that's me. Um, but uh, we are talking about a broad category today. And I was honestly really thrilled when you you said literally yesterday that we were going <laughs> to do this uh, do this category. Um, so what what are we what are we covering today? We're talking about highballs. Highballs, everybody. High balls. And before anybody gets in our comments, <laughs> all of our faithful listeners who are so combative with us. Really <laughs> so all, all the the, yeah. the, the, the all hundreds of thousands of them, the ones that troll <laughs> us, before anybody comes all right, for us. All right, cocktail experts. me this. The, the bar that beat us, the Roosevelt Room, for best cocktail bar. Oh, yeah. 
their main focus is a Toki highball. So come at us <laughs> and we will we will destroy I'm you. I'm almost so, fearful wait, to people, talk about highballs. Are people <laughs> mad about highballs? They, they write no, them off. People yeah, that's the thing. Is okay. like people love to write off highballs and not include them in like not include highballs in the cocktail ethos and mythology uh, because they're two ingredients typically. Right. And that's and what are those two ingredients? Some sort of spirit, some sort of soda. Yeah. The simplest of which. Well, does it have to be soda? I think it has to be soda. I, I, I'd agree. There, I think there needs to be fizz. Yeah, there's, there's got to be fizz in there. Um, but beyond that, like you can kind of go wild. And that is why. So, because this was going to be one of my questions because I was like, I'm not 100% sure. Like, I feel like it was one of those things where I'm like, I know what a highball is. But then if someone like asked me, I'd be like, it's bubbly and <laughs> alcohol. Um, so Fair. it's like a tequila soda, a highball. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because that's I, what it's like, I think. And that's like, typically why people write them off is because your first thought is, oh, so like a tequila soda, which isn't a bad but, thing. But like, that's not it's a bad delicious. order. That's a good order. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like. You can order a highball. Um, I would say that, like, in order to call it a quote unquote highball, like a tequila soda or a vodka soda does not necessarily a highball make. Right. Uh, like a vodka soda, why, like, they're, they're all technically highballs vodka soda, right. tequila soda, you know, gin and tonic. Like, these mm -hmm. are all technically highballs. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that the thing that, you know, people write them off because that is just a stock order at any club you go to. But you can make highballs amazing. Well, and that's the thing. Like we, you get caught up in textbook definitions uh, and what is the most common representation, and you lose out on everything more that you can incorporate. Yeah, I mean, we've already talked about the old fashioned, but the most common representation of of the old fashioned, if we're going just like per capita, is like virulently red cherries hyper sweet bourbon old fashions with cracked ice i'll tell you it was the first old-fashioned i made yeah and i'm sure that it's the first old-fashioned that a bunch of people made like that's like just because that is what people are ordering doesn't necessarily mean that it is like what it is or what it's supposed to be right and not to throw any shade like i'll drink a tequila soda all day long Absolutely. Like, love a good That's what they're soda. made for. Yeah. But also, you know what? Like, I've had one of the best drinks I've had recently was a highball. Yeah. Um, and it was shout out to Eden. And hopefully we get Chris on the program soon. I've I've spoken to him. He's the owner of Eden here in Austin. Uh, but they have this cocktail. It's amazing. It's called the Fall of Dram. It's scotch and armagnac with toasted coconut. Oh, that sounds it's, so it's, good. It's basically like a scotch and armagnac soda with toasted coconut. That and it is it's awesome. Delicious. It's, it's like so good. One of my favorite drinks, I think, ever. Dude. Elise and I that never order the incredible. same drink. Yeah, it's amazing. And we never order the same drink because we like to taste each other's drinks, try make sure yeah, the get, get a little bit of variety. But I had I ordered it and then I tasted it. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I handed it over to Elise. She tried it. And I was like, I'll have one of those, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just so good. Um, but we and and I think that also something that you can do 
uh, with a highball. Like one, you can just drink them. They're great. Yeah. Do it. There's a reason they're so popular and it's because oh. they're easy drinking. They're long. You know, they, right. they you're still being hydrated you're while still being... you're consuming your liquor. Exactly. So you feel better. And you can kind of go as far as you want with it. Like a vodka soda is going to taste mostly just like a soda water. Right. Exactly. A tequila soda, you got a little bit of that tequila flavor. Mezcal soda, you get a little bit more. And like whiskey soda, you get scotch and soda, I right. think is like one of my favorite stock highballs. Uh, if we're talking about and soda. Uh, and, right. But everybody should stop drinking gin and tonics and get on the rum and tonic game. It it feels like the spirit was made for it. Yeah. I mean, with tonics bitterness and like it's like rum doesn't lean into any of the flavors that tonic presents mm-hmm. and it contrasts so perfectly. Like I feel like some gins can get a little too in a tonic setting, mm-hmm. a little too focused in on one corner of this you know yeah super diverse flavor wheel yeah for sure but with rum you're incorporating a whole nother side i feel like the 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 sweeter elements of rum which rum doesn't necessarily have to be sweet but like the sweeter elements that rum presents uh de-emphasize the bitterness of tonic in a really beautiful way whereas uh with gin i oftentimes when people tell me they don't like gin uh, if I feel like they're up for the conversation, I'm like, I'd I'd love to hear more why more about why you don't like gin. Right. And you know, I'm I I have this theory, and it's typically like you either have had like a bad gin martini, mm-hmm. or you've had a gin and tonic. And oftentimes, what I rep, what I say is like, what's what's the first drink of when you think of like a drink you don't like with gin? And they say gin and tonic. I'm like, I would posit that maybe you don't dislike gin, but you do dislike tonic. Ah. Because tonic is a really specific flavor. Uh, it, really it has is. this bitterness to it. Uh, and it can be like cloyingly sweet at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and I don't necessarily think that gin goes the best with it. No. I, I mean, I think in a in a more traditional London dry sense, a lot of the time it doesn't go badly with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you start introducing new Western style gins with fancy marketing techniques, um, and then you start doing like Hendrix Midsummer Solstice and tonic. Yeah. Then you're getting in like perfume highball land. Yeah. And it, it that's what turns people away. For sure. And I yeah, sorry, you were about to say something. Oh, I, I so like I so you have your like gin and tonics, like your like true two ingredient things. And then like you have the what's what's the name of the drink that that at Eden? The Fall of Dram. The Fall of Dram, which like has more flavors going on is there a limit to like how many things are going on where it like leaves highball land and turns into like or are all like carbonated soda drinks technically highballs or is this up for debate is this that's kind of like i don't i can't maybe you can but i can't necessarily define what stops being a highball and starts being something else I don't know where that line lives. I know I feel it. Uh, well, right, and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. You always, it, and it's so asinine and subjective, it really doesn't matter. But for that matter, like, I like to think of highballs as an ethos. You know, you're trying to capture as much flavor as you can into this longer drink format. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think at some point you start to lose that 
base ethos. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm thinking this is going to be silly and I apologize <laughs> ahead of time, but I think of this John Donne poem, uh, it's like a, it's a love poem. And he talks about this, like this string of gold. It's basically like his ode to long distance relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it talks about this string of gold that is tying these two people together. And like the farther they go, the gold like stretches thinner and thinner, but it never breaks. And like, that's what you're looking for in a highball is like, you can stretch it as thin as you possibly can, mm. but you can't break that like flavor right. barrier for like, a, for like a truly like, like, like intentional <sighs> highball. Again, like, when we talk about vodka sodas, like that is still technically a highball. When we're talking about like a, a carefully crafted highball, right. like it could be as simple as like for a Toki highball. Toki highballs, like they have machines that make these things. Uh, they have like the the Toki that comes out at a certain level and the soda that comes out at a yeah. certain level and it's all like perfectly chilled. And then they just, the final touch is just a little expressive lemon, yeah, uh, like lemon oil. And it just makes the drink so much more perfect. Yeah, and it's the it's the temperature it's the at thought. which it's coming out. Yeah. It's the it's the expression of the oil, and all of these things make it take it from just being like a whiskey soda to a Toki highball, like right. Um, well, and I mean, for that matter, how many? There aren't a ton of styles of cocktails dominated by two or three ounces of soda, mm-hmm. so. You know, while I think that line is something gone by feeling, I think you're going to get the assertion that you're gumming up the mix well before you start like pushing too far for it to be a highball. Gotcha. Because I feel like a lot of drinks have like a topped with soda feel, but not like soda right. is amazing. Well, and that's the yeah. thing. Like yeah. it, it's it's an ounce or half an ounce in a lot of cases. You know. Mm. Yeah. I think I and I think that that's probably like the 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 thing is like when soda stops being a featured player and more of a like a, an assess, an the accessory driver, you know the, yeah that little bit of salt the carbonic acid like it's it's not an inconsequential player in that style of cocktail mm-hmm. and it's something you have to design around for that matter yeah so when it when it's when it is when it is driving the cocktail when it when it is a featured player I think that that's what separates highballs from cocktails that have soda in them um do you know if there are any like origin stories for highballs or is it kind of just like a like it's two things like these are things that people just have in their houses and like it they just go so obviously together that like is this the part where we talk about malaria (laughs) is this i don't think i know the malaria oh really no this is is that so, like, I don't know if I'm sure that that like like spirit soda predates this, but mm-hmm. gin and tonics. Oh, I know uh, what you're saying. Yeah, gin, gin and tonics. Tonic water was basically like the the quinine and everything like was was proven to combat malaria. So, like mm-hmm. in the 1800s, people were drinking. Tonic water is fairly bitter on its own, especially like highly concentrated tonic water. The Mm -hmm. tonic water you get out of a bottle these days is much more palatable. Having speaking as someone who has made their own tonic syrup, uh, that stuff can get bitter as hell. It's intense. Um, So uh, the tonic water you're getting out of a like imagine the most bitter part of it 
and amplify that tenfold. And you've got about what tonic water tasted like mm. back in like the 1800s, probably. Uh, but they were drinking gin and tonics. They were drinking gin to mask the flavor of the tonic, things like that. Like they were drinking spirits with the tonic water to mask the flavor of the tonic water, lengthen it out a little bit more. But tonic combated malaria. That was the functional reason before anything else. Hmm. And I'm sure that they were drinking soda water yeah. stuff before that, but I don't right. know. And, you know, it, that, that f kind of idea of lengthening the spirit has always, you know, uh, I can't remember who it was, but he used to wake up every day and he'd drink a scotch, a shot of scotch mixed with eight ounces of water. And that was his, like, go-to every day. Was that Churchill? All think so definitely Churchill. sounds like Churchill <laughs> sounds like Churchill yeah. I used to drink the oldest goats in the world drink like a bottle I'd of have a thimble full of soda <laughs> and then I'd smoke an entire <laughs> boat a barge full of cigars yeah this man's <laughs> smoking like four cigars a day as if he's not walking around like the crypt keeper <laughs> yes I would drink all the scotch that the that the the porters could bring to me and I would I uh, bring a uh, barrel full of soda water to wash it all down, and then I would dip a cigar in the scotch and smoke it uh, with a flame lit by a little bitty page boy. <laughs> the cherry on top. We should fight on these notions. <laughs> No, it's definitely been a thing, uh, a theme that's been represented in lots of places yeah. in history. Soda was and just. It, it has to be carbonated. It can't be eight ounces of water. Well, I mean, I don't is know. that a highball? It's hard. I'm going to draw a hard uh, line listen, here. Listen, listen, Look, listen. If the water ain't rules carbonated, are made to be broken. if it's a still water highball, can I get a highball in the get, old fashioned? I can't get that. Is that something that people I can't ever get behind order? It. People are like, can I have a gin and water? Yeah. The people yeah. who order that? Yeah, vodka water, gin vodka and water. water. Vodka water is a big one. Whiskey water is a, is another yeah. more, more okay. a lot of A lot of non-American whiskey and waters. Not yeah. like the person, but How much water do you put in that? Is that the same amount that I would put of soda? Yeah, unless unless they specify otherwise. Like, right, you get a lot of orders of like whiskey on the rocks with a splash of water or something like that. that. That's, and that's like think less, of, yeah. but. You know, if you get a vodka water or a whiskey water, I'm gonna make it with I'm yeah. gonna make it with the same amount of water that I would put soda. Huh. Yeah, I'd say volumetrically in our glassware and our ice program, it's probably about three ounces yeah. of either soda, water, or tonic. I just hate that. Like, I I can't get behind like a vodka water or a whiskey water. Like, it really bugs what? me. Oh, it's the God. texture, you know. Like, well, right. It's a textural thing. Like the 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 carbonation provides a texture, which 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 in and of itself is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which that, that and a, like offsets the loss of flavor from the alcohol. Yes, that that was kind of what I was gonna say. Like, I feel like honestly, highballs a lot of times to me like are could be bad or just like watery. Yeah, but like the carbonation Absolutely. definitely mm -hmm. like. Like it's like oh this is still like there's something still interesting but I I honestly might lose interest there, if you didn't have the carbonation. There's also I'd something I'd just be like oh all my ice has melted on my thing. bourbon on yeah. the rocks or yeah. whatever. Right, I'm not drinking that. Like naturally, like nobody yeah. wants to drink a bourbon on the rocks after the ice is melted. So why yeah. would I drink Which a vodka? Like, why 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 would I drink a bourbon and water? 
Yeah, which like if people if that's what people are ordering, then like whatever. Yeah, drink drink like, what you want. Like, we don't, like, we've right, we've no, already I, established that. Yes, I think yes, I would we get, all. I'm not judging you. I just don't like it. It's not my thing. Bored or like I I feel like I need to be in a different mindset because like when I drink something I want it to be like delicious and that's just like mm -hmm. what is this? That's fair. It's yeah. right and like flavor. that's the whole reason I got into any of this. Yes, yeah. flavor. You can make like yeah. you have an amazing cocktail. It creates this imprint in your mind. Like the best cocktails really like take you back to that moment when you first tried it. Mm -hmm. uh, there there are several of those that I have yeah. just like stored away in my mind, and I remember them. Like I remember the moment I took that first sip, mm -hmm. and I remember the place I was in. I remember the bar I was sitting at. I remember the bartender who served me. Like. All of these things, I, I remember those things, and and cocktails cr connect me to that right. to that place in time, uh, like with this really like wild sense memory, yeah. um, and I like again, a highball, simple as it is, can connect you to those moments. A simple run rum and tonic. I'm not even like the first rum and tonic I ever had. I remember exactly where I had it. I remember the day I had it. I remember who I was with. Yeah. It was at Babs. Okay. There's a there's a restaurant and bar right across the street from Dante where I used to work called Babs. Uh, we used to steal ice from them when our ice machine would break, which was pretty often. Yeah. Uh, but uh, also they had just like, they had like a fairly simple cocktail program, but they had like, they had like a whole highball section and the way that they served it was gorgeous. They had these silver trays and they had your glass with and I believe now I'm gonna now I'm gonna fuck it up, but they had a glass <laughs> with ice, they had a little carafe with the spirit. Okay. Just like a tiny little sidecar kind of oh, carafe. I like that. And then they had a whole bottle of whatever uh your modifier mixture. you asked yeah. for. So they had and they had like several different things. And I was like, rum and tonic, that's interesting. So I I was like, I'll have the rum and tonic. So basically, you could make it yourself, right? Uh, right. And you could top it with more tonic as you went on. Mm -hmm. um, so I poured the whole rum in there because, you know, you got. Why that. wouldn't I? And then I poured the the tonic and just kind of finished the tonic with the rum still kind of coating the glass, even though it had probably been consumed at that point. Right. And like it was this beautiful silver tray these like little doilies. I was with your sister, Elise. Okay. This was right before the Daniel Sloss show. Oh yeah. Um, that was fun. Yeah. So that was the first time I ever had a rum and tonic. And then I immediately ordered a rum and tonic at the like little venue bar. Yeah. And it was like a Bacardi and tonic instead yep. of this like, right. The, like there was a, a very intentionally picked out rum at right. this one place, but I didn't enjoy the, the one that I had at the venue any less. And that, it's the thing, like it, tonic and soda, you know, have a way of amplifying flavors in ways we don't necessarily expect all mm -hmm. the time. You know, soda with it being salty and acid forward, uh, and tonic in its bitterness. Yeah, there's so much flavor hiding in bitter that we just don't think about. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, there's there's just so much you can do within that that fairly limited space to make it interesting. I know you and I both came up with like rum and tonic. Oh yeah. Like cocktails. I did like a rum 
like a, a very specific rum with Italicus and yuzu and mm-hmm. like made a tonic out of a tonic cocktail out of that. And you did like a Jennifer cocktail, which was mm-hmm. also really interesting and harkening back to our gin craze episode last uh, <laughs> yeah. two weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, we, we, um, like we both kind of are enamored of this thing and I didn't uh, even really realize it until we started talking about it together that like rum and tonics, we both vibe with those yeah. really hard. It's like, I, I'm constantly search. Well, I'm constantly searching for the high. That was the Jennifer and musty hot tonic <laughs> I made at bar five day. Yeah. That one was rad. It was really cool. I know I can just make the same thing again, but it's not the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that moment when you created it was, and I was like, Hey, that's my IP, but it was like also not. It was just like right. we're, like, bo- hey, we're both I making like though. a thing right. in tonic, and I was like, yeah. I made a thing in tonic recently. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, though, we should probably refill our glasses because I've noticed that all of them are conspicuously empty. They sure are. Um, my mouth so, is awfully dry. Yes, yeah, so parched. Oh. So, I'm so parched. I can't even make like a mouth sound in the microphone to show you because it's just so just parched. Like, There's nothing for thing. it to co- to connect to. Uh, so we'll be right back <laughs> uh, and we'll continue our nice little conversation that we are having currently. Yeah. See you guys in a little bit. Love you. And we're back. And it's time to talk about martinis because martinis. Anyway, I'm just thinking like if this I'm, were a video okay. podcast, there would be like a fade away martinis, and then there's fireworks <laughs> yeah. in the background, yeah. and just <laughs> one dude like firing a gun up in the air. Do you yeah. think that's like a good bald martini eagle vibe? soaring over yeah, it all? Bald yeah. eagle for sure. Just, <laughs> Like, I completely lost everything with that. And, like, my concussed brain is just like, nope. Oh, yeah. We should probably talk real quick about just our lives. (laughs) Should we? Y'all got those? We have a bad one. (laughs) So we've missed a lot of stuff. We've we've tried to kind of, like, not talk too much about it. But uh, I did mention family emergencies at the top of the last episode. Pretty much. Uh, I feel like. Car broke down. Lee's got a concussion. Poe is in the hospital. Poe is our dog. Yeah, car is dead, dog is alive, but sick, and I am also alive, but concussed. But concussed. So my brain is at like 80%, maybe 90%, but like- Better I- than me most days. <laughs> and that's that's just the past 20 days. Yeah, I feel like 20% dumber, but you know it's what? It's been a rough time. Yeah, man. So, sorry, that really, I was just like, that stunned my brain. I was like, what <laughs> What do I do? How do I, How do I go forward <laughs> with this? I'll never recover from this. Um, but anyway, we like asking people what their go-to martini is because everyone wants to talk about it anyway. So we found that every single bartender that we bring on, almost every single bartender we bring on, would love to talk about the martini as their cocktail. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, this you know, isn't the martini. That's why I was upset podcast. about being so late. So. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so two. to appease <laughs> to appease all of these disgruntled bartenders, we have asked them, "What is your martini spec?" Uh, my martini spec is a good. That's a good question because I I like to change it up today. What is today? It right if you were to today, that? it's a highball. We're talking highballs. That is not how and it's I'm worse, so sorry. Man. Listen, listen. All right. So Saint George, 
Potanivore. Okay. In equal parts with the vermouth, but the vermouth is uh, an ounce of cokey. What we would call a scant quarter of dry vermouth. And? And a scant quarter of manzanilla sherry. Okay, I'll allow it. Salt, lemon oils, stirred up. It's fine. Sounds great to me. It's delicious. I I really like a vermouth heavy martini. Like same. There uh, and like I say, it changes all the time. I like to get a bit goofy with my base spirits and martinis. I'll like do gin and pisco, or like mm-hmm. gin and a little bit of white rum, something like that. Yeah, mezcal and uh, blanc vermouth really like Ooh. is a is a go to for me. Sounds delicious. It's really good. The sweetness of the blanc vermouth. Uh, Versus like the vegetal stuff that and the minerality that a mezcal has, it's like well, it's like you get all the salt from the mezcal. Oh yeah, like for sure. the blanc vermouth balances out with the salt and the uh, the more yeah rougher. And we we talked about this in the martini episode, but like get wild with your with your Agreed. base spirit base like, spirit as vermouth, long my, fortified wine for that matter. I think y'all are sleeping on. Cherry. I think it needs to be a clear spirit. Yes. And a light vermouth. It doesn't have to be a dry vermouth, yeah. but it has to be a light vermouth. If it's if it's a dark spirit and a red vermouth, then we're getting into Manhattan territory. Well, and that's the thing. I refuse to adhere to labels. Uh, n- not necess- if I- <laughs> I'm not out here making a gin and dry vermouth martini and calling it a Manhattan or anything. Exactly. But I really like the term vermouth cocktail uh, because like it's... It's so encompassing, and mm. rules are a thing I don't like in the cocktail world as it goes. They're meant. To, they're made to be broken. They're made to be broken. You know, if you're not stretching the limits of what you can accomplish, you know, it, what, are you doing? Uh, what are you doing? I don't. I don't know. And I'm not breaking any any uh any barriers or anything, but I I do try to extend myself beyond the first thing I think of. Yeah, for sure. But but yeah no I think my general rule is martini is clear spirit light vermouth if you're using dark spirit red vermouth you're in yeah. Manhattan territory yeah uh, and like we could get into a debate about like are they all martinis but I think in terms of just like today's definition of a martini yeah uh, well and that's as far as you can stretch it for me you have hard a hard time selling any amount of vermouth in a martini to a lot of people that's still true. nowadays so it's you know it, it's hard to be like okay well i made this cognac and coke americano cocktail and it, i'm calling it the cognac martini mm-hmm. uh, although that sounds dope I mean, it sounds Cognac cool. America. It needs some tweaking, yeah, but yeah, maybe the bones are there. We'll right? talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it at work. <laughs> right. Uh, when we have both Cognac and Coqui Americano at our disposal, because currently we only have Coqui Americano. I don't have any Cognac here. Oh, well, Cookie's all you need. That's true. Fair. Um, so yeah. I have uh, something that I want to talk about for this next section, but I think okay. you should introduce it because that's the. Wait, is this. Uh huh. Okay, so we we like to also talk about again. Sorry, I'm concussion. I'm starting to lose it. She's concussion. Um, she's killing it though. So yeah, doing a great. What job. a rock star. I'm just trying. At least everyone. Uh, so 
we like to talk about TV because Lan likes TV, and and you. I don't? also no, I like TV, but you, <laughs> you make you make a, you are you like, human? No, I obviously love TV, but you're like I like love TV, and you like love TV. So it's true. it's true. What are your biggest bartending pet peeves when you watch TV? What just drives you crazy, or you're just like, no. I have something. I'll go second. <laughs> You're not going to tell me it's the scene with the kid from Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man ah, one. Dude, I can't stand that scene. Like, the thing is, like, scene. it's yeah. a bad scene. I think I've already shown it to you. Yeah. I, well, I was I was going Uncharted. through my head. I'm like, okay, so was Len the person who showed it's, me the Uncharted Spider-Man scene? It was. And, and uh, arguably uh, the least racist Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> arguably. He, he's, uh, the, he's the one who's built different. He is built different. If if he was on, he was on that uh, plane, uh, it would have gone down differently. Why were we still making him I'm do so movies? Sorry. Well, and that's the thing. Not that this is like a pop culture podcast or anything. It kind, it kind of is. But I'm so sick of I'm so sick of Mark Wahlberg. Y'all ever see the one where I, the trees were the bad guy? No, I honestly the amount of brain space that I I give to Mark Wahlberg is like not at all. Like I honestly forget he exists, and then he comes up and I'd be like, "What's he been doing?" I don't know. Then there's a picture of him in the in the Funky Bunch on my timeline. I'm like, "Oh God, Mark Wahlberg again!" Look, the only <laughs> like the only movie that he has done recently that I will subs- like ascribe any value to was it the other guys the other a decade, guys a yes. decade ago a yeah, decade ago. Right? like <laughs> the other guys which and is an objectively <laughs> funny movie <laughs> oh no and, and 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 it did not age great no it, no it's, it's aged it's, it's aged okay not the worst it? thing have in the world how, when was the last time you saw it recently was it recently because i was gonna say if you haven't seen it like recently there's some saucy I stuff like in there movie i look at a lot of things a lot differently than i did a decade ago Oh, they said that? Again, oh my again, God. Oh my again I will say oh. it did not age awesome. <laughs> there's a lot. There's like some light misogyny in there. Oh, for, for sure. sure. Well, um, that token of the era, you know, not an excuse, but like it, anything you watch from that era has got this like just overarching tinge of just gross misogyny. I'm like, dog, this is like. They've and it, made millions of dollars off of this. It's also a buddy cop movie, and like, yeah, well, right, cops. You know, we're not, not really like, but, not trying to humanize them or anything. But the other guys is still a really funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> There's a soup kitchen and a Prius. You won't believe it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Will Ferrell used to be a pimp. You won't believe it. <laughs> um, I still don't believe it. <laughs> ne- <laughs> neither did Will Ferrell in the movie. Um, but anyway, the scene anyway, with not. Mark so, Wahlberg in it. Th- Mark Wahlberg's not even in this scene. <laughs> um, so can we just talk about, can we just unpack this scene together? Because I feel like it's just, it's it's so close to being good. And then they're like, nope. <laughs> it's almost like, it's almost like it's a, like a training video to be like, spot what's wrong with this. Right. And it's like all of it. Where it like looks, but like, you know, you know what I mean? Where it's like, it looks just, just fine enough where if you're not paying attention, it looks fine. But then once you start paying attention, you're just like, right. wait, wait, what, what? And like, I, I don't have the same bar- bartender brain, but I was just like, are you, are you going to stir that? Are you going to stir that? Are you going to stir it? Are you going to stir it? 
and then he doesn't stir it. <laughs> he doesn't and you're stir like, it. Oh, what? So so let's <laughs> let's let's do a play by play because I wanted to talk about this on the podcast ever since I saw it. Uh, so Tom Holland, it's like the first like they, there's like a little prologue scene, and then this is the first like real scene of the movie. Tom Holland runs into his bartending job, I think, uptown in New York City. Uh, Looks pretty uptown. I think it's set uptown in New York City. He's got like the vest and the button-up white shirt, which no one actually wears. Um, <laughs> what do you he, mean, no he, one? He, I wear it every day. Yeah, you wear it every day, but no one else. Um, <laughs> and he he rolls up to his job late, and then comes in like being all like charming and Tom Holland and this woman is like, excuse me. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, and comes up and she's, he's like, Hey, what can I get for you? And he spins the napkin all weird and like does this like weird flare thing that he doesn't need to do. He's like, what's your cocktail going to be? Kinda, doesn't he just kind of like throw it out and like, no, no, no. He spins it on his hand but, and then but like he puts it down like really weird. Well, and right? that, I think that's he spins the thing it like... on the back of his hand and sets it down with the back of his hand. Okay. So but it, like, like but it's, it's also not, it's a, not Nolan nor so, Ryan. So it's also a, re- a regular sized napkin. It's not like a mm. bar napkin. Yeah. He spins oh, wait, a regular what? size napkin on his hand and then I, I must have missed and places that. it down. And then he's like, what can I get you? And she's like, gin and tonic. And he's like, oh, it's my first drink of the night. Why don't you challenge me some? And he plays it off because he's charming and Tom Holland. Well, and also right. the Very movie is, boy. is built for him to be the protagonist and charming. But she's just like, uh, 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 Negroni. <laughs> And he's like, no, what? Uh-huh, just kidding. I know the history uh-huh. of the Negroni. So he starts to make the Negroni, but he just pulls up a mixing glass that already has ice in it. Like doesn't put ice in it. Melt yep. like, like it pre-melted re- ice <laughs> just in like half full in the mixing glass. So he pulls that up Delicious. from underneath the bar, slides it across into his other hand, very graceful. And then he pulls out a, a, a shaker tin and a bottle of beef eater. <laughs> And like spins the beef eater around and then brings it around his head. And he then he pours the beef eater into the, sh- the shaker tin. Which, for entirely too long. For entirely too long. About two ounces of gin in that. Uh, oh, yeah. A- and at most hey. in, a, in a Negroni. If you're going to do a gin heavy Negroni. At the end of this all, I'm going to make a be case an for Tom Holland being an expert bartender. Okay. But I'm going to pocket that for all now. All right. Okay. Uh, so he pours it into the shaker tin. Shaker tin, not great for measuring. Uh, he also does it behind his head. So there's also that. And then he pours the shaker tin, the gin from the shaker tin, uh, which is the thing you should use to mix the cocktail, not to measure, uh, into the mixing glass. And then, yeah, so because everything not, on the back bar yeah. is sponsored by Pernod Ricard, which if you go back you and look at it, I'm, I'm go back and look at it. Study that scene. every single thing on that back part. Back bar is a Pernod well, Ricard you know, product. Like that's big money, dog. Yeah, uh, so, I would be astonished if it weren't. Not actual Campari and not actual vermouth. He just uh, takes yep. both of those in one one in each hand and just pours them into the mixing glass, and then. For not, just, for not long enough. For not long enough. Based on how thing. much gin he's put in. If, like I said, I'm going to make a case for Tom Holland being an expert bartender later. Uh huh. But and then he just pours those in, and then he just places instead of stirring anything, he just doesn't stir it. Places a strainer on top of the 
mixing glass and strains it into the glass. And because the ice has already she... been melting in the thing. Well, and that's so the thing. Like, I know exactly that's the thing. how much that's ice what I'm going to say. This thing. There and was so already ice in the tin. Instantly he had melt there. There was already ice he... in the mixer. He had melt there. This man is a scientist and he knew he didn't have to stir anything because the because it, it was already, already there. Melted. But you know what? He's a bad bartender. He had just yes. walked in on that shift. He had just he walked in on that He hadn't no prepped idea. any of that shit, Chris That man Roden. hadn't even looked at yeah. himself also, in the mirror yet that day. You, you mentioned, you, you missed this, I think. And oh, he also it. didn't have his label out yeah. for the for the, Disgusting. For the beef for, for, in the for like the, the For the obviously sponsored well, right. back bar, he had his label facing towards him. Oh, and he was he, making a two to one, by the way. Thank you. I mean, even you, if you're making a two to one, it wasn't it was the counts weren't it was great. Sarcasm. I know. I, I thought about this. Everybody knows their counts at home, right? No. You don't have pour spouts on all your. <laughs> what do you mean you don't keep pour spouts on your back bar? <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Everybody, put pour <laughs> I spouts thought on you your were bottle. a cocktail enthusiast. Excuse me. My apologies. No, Nobody. every time I pour no, I a bottle, Lynn is like, why are you pouring it like that? <laughs> and I'm like, it's, it, it's fine. It's, it's the right measurement, it's, maybe. Again, I it's, only over poured it, spilled it over the jigger a little bit. But he, 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 goes th- he goes through the history of the Negroni. Everybody tighten up. Let's be serious. Let's be, uh, apologies, right. sir. He... <laughs> <laughs> he he goes through the his like as he's pouring everything he goes through the history of the Negroni and it's correct like the Count Negroni yeah dude nineteen nineteen dog the, subbed out the soda from the Americano still into that the is an, I'm sure like with gin and that's how the Negroni came to be do that's, that with the Cosmo that's like also though like probably the <laughs> the laziest script writing. You know, they oh, were yeah. just like, what is like, a Negroni? Like, who made Negronis? Well, and then they, like, they probably prog- looked through like, three oh cocktails okay. trying okay. to find the history I would first. I love this. But why? Look, look up. I wonder if you could just Google Negroni and, and see if, like, the first thing oh, I guarantee Google it. comes up. And if it's, like, the exact. Three. Whatever two, the first one. thing. Is that the exact line? Go. That he, that whoever wrote the script copy and pasted directly into in the 1919 script. Count Camille Negroni. Like, is it word well, from history. word from Wikipedia? Because I would love that. I according I, I hate... according to Wikipedia, the drink's origins are not known with certainty. The most widely reported account is that the first mix, the, it was first mixed in Florence, Italy in 1919 at Cafe Cassoni, then called Cafe Giacosa uh, on Via de Tornabuoni. Uh, the cafe no longer exists. The site is now occupied by a Giorgio Armani, bar, Giorgio Armani boutique. Uh, okay, so maybe not. My theory topical. is wrong. Uh, Pascal. Olivier Count de Negroni concocted it by asking the bartender, Forso Scarcelli, to strengthen his favorite cocktail, the Americano, by adding gin rather than the normal soda water. The bartender also added an orange garnish uh, rather than the typical lemon garnish of the Americano to signify that it was, in fact, a different drink. Um, <laughs> Listen, the Negroni is... Th- Did he add five ounces of gin? 
Like, is it that <laughs> indistinguishable? <laughs> like, what is... I know we've rebalanced things in the modern era for different palettes, but did he add five ounces of gin to that ounce? I'm sure that the bartender was like, mm. <laughs> He said, mm, orange bitter, orange. I'm a... I'm a... I'm going to rebalance this a little bit for you, <laughs> Count Negroni. <laughs> All right, Pa, I got you. It's like, And then the, then the Count was like, oh, this is great. You should call it the Negroni. You should call it the Count Negroni. He's like, I'll call it the Negroni. How about that? All right. He said, but, but I'm a Count. What do you mean? How about you count your way out of here? <laughs> and that's how the inter- interchange All right. Okay, but aside from that, are, do you have any... any- <laughs> Back to business. We are 19 minutes into this to this bit. (laughs) (laughs) But do you have any besides that movie? Because that is truly. We needed to talk about this. Oh yeah, truly awful. I remember I pulled you into the past. Like I pulled you behind making drinks, like away from the bar, and I was like, I need to show you Tom Holland make cocktails. Did you Did you see Spider Man in the in the least racist (laughs) Wahlberg movie recently? (laughs) But. Aside from that, are there any things that, like, when you watch TV, you're just like, do better? You know, like, there's obviously the the leaving the bottle on the bar, mm, on the bar top. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that, like... Leave the bottle. Right. One, you know, like, Ooh. we all know that's stupid, but there are a lot of people that don't realize. They're like, well... What am I gonna like? Write a mark on the bottle mm-hmm. and like measure out do how much we do have water races. Yeah, not well, not no so much in my recent times, but at the first non-craft cocktail bar I worked at, with a much more neighborhood regularly regularly vibe, mm-hmm. uh, it was a thing that people would be like, "Well, you just like leave the bottle there." Huh? I'm like, "No, well, like I don't know you, dog." Yeah. Yeah. There, there are, there is certainly like a, I think at our bar, it's different. Like people well, will ask us to leave the bottle, but the it's different. Path. Well, and that's like, it's they like, want to take a picture. It's like, hi, and we've just purchased people. this very expensive whiskey yes. or this very rare whiskey. We would like to see the bottle, please. Yeah. 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 And like, that happens yeah. with fair regularity. Yeah. And I, I never have. A nobody's ever really like, oh, leave I'm the bottle. I'm going to just pour this for myself. Yeah. Where, where's um, the rest of it? We I don't, think there we don't was get any one of that moment where somebody had reached for a bottle that was like just on my presentation mat because I was making a cocktail with it. And I was mm-hmm. like, ah, maybe don't do that. But like, yeah. for the most part, we're off the beaten path and it's it's not something you just happen upon to be at the Roosevelt Room. Uh, like Although you typically we do have make a night out in of there, huh? I said we do have people that happen in there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, like I'm in Austin. Somebody said here, da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of happenstance, but we're not on the main bar stretch. We're not in the middle of Rainy Street. We're not on we're Dirty Six. Relatively close to a lot of the other cocktail bars in Austin, mm. but we're still um, kind of like a hop, like skip, and a jump from there. Exactly. Like even the closest one, Garage, Small Victory, stuff like that, is still. Garage is the closest. It's like a block away. Oh, okay. It's like a block and a half away. That makes sense. Small Victory is like four or something like that. Uh, Small Victory is past Congress, so it's like six oh, blocks like away. Oh, six from and us. a half. Okay. Yeah. Heard on yeah. 7th Street. So I'm not it's from two here. blocks up and like five blocks over. So it's like seven blocks away. I don't know directions. I just point. I'm yeah, not like it's that way. I know it's how to get direction. to work from my yeah. house. 
I, I feel <laughs> yeah, like I'm doing a good job there. Uh, uh, we should probably move on, though, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so martinis are great, though. Martinis are great. <laughs> Tom Holland is Tom, the best bartender. Tom Holland is Tom Holland a bad is bartender. Great, but he's not a good bartender. It was a two to one, but it was more like a four and a half to one. He, he's not a good cocktail bartender, and honestly, not a great flair bartender. You know but what? He but he's could, a great okay. actor. And okay. I'm neither of those, okay. so I can if, say that. But if you, if you were consulting on that movie... If I were what would you change? Movie, is you I like right like you would be like if you do this he would he would have done a great job like he was, it, it's that's not fair teaching teach well, how to set up for failure Don't, yeah fair he was set up for failure fair. teach teach it's him how to fault. teach him how it, like the thing is like you can flip bottles all day long but like we we flip like we like the way we handle our well, jiggers I think is just oh, as yeah. impressive as like t- tossing a bottle in the air or oh, whatever yeah. he did but, like but you like if if you were like Pour this into a jigger. Do yeah, you think right. Here's how you do this exact like stir. Yes. Like, right. He would have done that. He would have done a great you, job. I'm, I'm sure, sure he would have figured it out. Teach him a beautiful round. Like yeah. it's, it's, you, it has how... less to do with with Tom Holland yeah. and more to do with like how the the movie industry doesn't seem to understand how bartending it works care. at yeah. all. And doesn't care. care. So this is not a Tom Holland. Hate. Look, Tom Holland, you, Tom. actually, you're on notice. <laughs> you think <laughs> you can just web sling around your, your career, up, buddy. And you like you have been problematic for too long as a bartender <laughs> in movies. Most as a bartender, problematic from actor in Hollywood. Tom Holland because he's got a bad Negroni. <laughs> you you know the history of the Negroni, but, but you do you know, know how? how do you know how to make one for real? For real anyway. though, Tom Holland calling you out. Neither no, of the bottles okay. you picked up. <laughs> At least Tom, no, Tom, don't call no, Tom I mean, Holland. I'm oh. just saying, if Tom Holland want, wants to learn how to. Tom make Holland, if you want to learn how to make, make a Negroni, bro. If you're hey, listening, Tom Holland, uh, we, can... we know you listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Holland, uh, hit us up. We'll help you with your Negroni skills. I'll teach you how to flip um, a tin, dog. I'll teach you teach how to duggy. Ooh. Measure with and. We're, we won't teach you how to Dougie. I'll teach you how to Negroni. Um, Ooh. Uh, Dougie, that's like, where, how, like, what year Like are we? 15 Jesus years Christ. ago. Everybody sure. Dougie. I do it still to this day. Do y'all <laughs> smell that? It might be the stanky leg. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the second time I might quit this podcast. <laughs> um... But I will stick around long enough to at least ask a few questions. Um, if you want to send us questions, uh, you can DM us or email us or find me in real life and ask me a question. And the first Stop question, me on the street. <laughs> please. Don't be a coward. Stop me on the street. <laughs> find hey, Elise, me in how real to life. drink. <laughs> Find me in real life and ask me to my face, all right? Don't DM me like Dox, dox me and figure out my address and knock on my door. My no, if you come to my house. I've got drinks here. If you come to my house, I'll cry. Um, don't do that. But, but you can find me on the street and ask me to my face like a real man. Um, like um, a real man. Um, what? We do love misogyny here. Yeah, yeah. That's what, Woo. It, was, it was actually a Wahlberg callback. <laughs> right, um, right. We're just channeling our inner marks. Elise is actually a Wahlberg. Wow, <laughs> crazy! Oh. You heard it here first, folks. Elise, Nye, 
if you if what you if that was like if you my, what it's if an that anagram right <laughs> at least what nye if, is actually an anagram for for mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg. <laughs> wow i, like, wow. I scooby-doo my face and i'm like <laughs> it's been me mark Wahlberg, all along where's wow. the funky blonde what chat? a good get um, <laughs> <laughs> okay that's the direction that listener I questions never saw that coming okay but anyway for real, actually, celebrity probably. Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> celebrity host, cool um, celebrity. <laughs> we'd probably get a lot more listener questions if it was actually secretly hey, Mark. Wahlberg. I'm right here. What do you want from me? <laughs> you can't prove I'm not him. You can't prove I'm not there's Mark Wahlberg. No, there's no proof. I sound just like him. <laughs> I'm just saying, you've never seen me and Mark Wahlberg in the same room. Yeah. So you haven't seen us in the same room. <laughs> Okay, anyway, um, so this first question is, why is fire on cocktails a thing? Is it just a gimmick that makes a drink more expensive? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, like, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I, not in, in all cases, but it is at least a little gimmicky. Yeah, at least a lot gimmicky. Um, but fact of the matter is, fire's fun, dog. Are you not like going to a bar to have a good time? If there was an entire you know? menu with no fire, and then there was just an add-on for fire, five dollars for fire on every drink. Right? Do you know I how many like, people would pay would for sell. fire on oh, every yeah. single drink? I would make a ton of cents. Yeah. Like, well, do you know how many parties extra? I've oh, had? We could make me? more than cents. Oh yeah, ah, dollars. Listen, listen, well, that's, listen, no, that's listen. what I'm saying. Like, I might not do it on every drink I order, but if there was a place that was like add fire to every drink, right? I if would there's be a like, five dollar the fire charge, I'd be like, all right, well, I guess I'm gonna have fire. fire. You know, yes. the amount of people who have asked me, they're like, oh, I don't want to get the zombie, but I'd like the cinnamon show. Um, like, all right, toss it on my time. All right, dude, I'll throw it. Charge right you, in the middle of something else. You I'll know? charge you five dollars extra for a mai tai. Like, Do a round of shots with a shot full of one fifty one in the middle, and that's that's know? the thing is it does cost extra to light things on fire because right. you are it's getting unsafe. You're getting extra booze also. That it's too. unsafe, and, and also I'm you're getting extra, extra booze. money out. Correct. Uh, oftentimes, you have to pour a specific kind of liquor to get the kind of fire that you need. Uh, oftentimes, it's like. 151 proof right uh, so if you want to do it at or home or something like that so um, how many cheap 151 brands do you actually know like, uh, i mean the cheapest few, 151 that ton. i the cheapest 151 that i know of is probably like 25 dollars yeah well and it's and the it's, thing like and it's you're spending fine. more for that i have to have the tool to shake the cinnamon i have to have the cinnamon the yeah rum. so i mean mm -hmm. like it is does gimmicky. it improve yes. the quality of the cocktail in some cases, yes. Well, and that's the thing. In some cases, yes, flavoristically. But do we rate a cocktail only on the part that we taste? Do we garnish that's, the yeah. visual? Yeah, the visual well, element the of the like, cocktail is worth something. Otherwise, people wouldn't it's, it's be like so. The uh, argument for for like gambling, it's like, oh well, you know, I'd spend forty dollars on a movie. I'm just gonna go, you know, spend forty dollars on a table instead. It's still entertainment. Yeah. You wouldn't download a car. I I would download a car. Do you know where I can get a link? <laughs> yeah, 
on this cool website. This really known cool as website Lime that doesn't Wire. sound sketchy at all. Uh, um, it's bit.ly. Bit.lime dash wire dot biz. Slash not scam. Slash not scam. Yes. Perfect. But I also, I feel like, I feel like the fire is like an element that is like, speaks to like the entertainment and also the community factor of drinking out. Because like, I'm not gonna like, yeah. I could light a drink. I can make myself a cocktail at home if I want to. I can light a drink on fire at home. But if I'm by myself or with one person, it doesn't have that like everyone in the bar turns right. around and looks at this high right. like, thing of flame. Like there's a, that's like a special feeling. Yeah. And like that's something you can only get when you're outside well, with and, a whole bunch of and, people. And, and honestly, can you, money, can you money? Yeah. Can like, you put a dollar amount so on that? Fun. The answer is yes. And, and it's, it's like five dollars extra. Probably. Yeah, it, it's really not that much crazy more than just the liquor itself would cost in a bar setting. That said, uh, we do make a blue blazer and it is like thirty dollars. Uh, and that's because we're risking life. And well, and that's the that. thing. Like, <laughs> that's scary. I don't have looks, depth I, perception. I, I yeah, I'm you're blind, blind in one entirely eye. in one eye. So this is I mean, and for and all I've never of us, seen you spill a blue blazer. I have. See myself spill a blue because I'm horrified. Well, I spent the thing is like I spent so much time outside of my apartment just throwing things between stuff because I don't want to be embarrassed. Like I, I depend on the muscle memory aspect of it. Yeah, I, I know where the things got to go for it to land if I do everything the same way every time. Yeah. Uh, that being said, my blue blazers are getting wild lately. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm swing in and like Ooh. yeah i'll turn a little bit like kind of highlight this side that side. david wondrich would be so mad at you he would hate me he <laughs> said all you have to do is extend i'm so sorry they got so mad at me when i did a blue blazer and, and they didn't actually like, get super mad at me. serious about it no, no no they didn't get mad mad at me but they were just like you're holding these things wrong but it was the non-insulated ones well, and i right. was holding it based on the way that i hold it at the roosevelt room right. to keep my hands safe yeah, and they were like, "You're holding it wrong," and then I burned my hand. Well, right when I adjusted because, to the way they wanted me. To you know, I, I I did I did a blue blazer at I had five a, day. I had a burn on I my knuckle. The for, bad ones. I had a burn on my knuckle for weeks. Yeah. Uh, so we charged thirty dollars because you can get a well, burn on your thing, knuckle for weeks. Yeah, for weeks. Well, and like the thing is, like, it's training. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not blind in one eye with no depth perception, somebody had to spend time to be trained to do something like that in a safe manner. You yeah. know, you see all these horror stories of like uh, Dr. Pepper shots gone wrong on TikTok and this and that. And I'm like, that'll never, never happen here. Yeah. Because it's the whole thing we prepare for. Yeah. Uh, and also just our team is so ready to spring into action oh, yeah. whenever anything happens. Oh yeah. Uh, which is, which is why we were up for best bar team. Like, I, I wish that the 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 folks that judge the tales of the cocktail stuff had been at our bar literally anytime anybody broke glass in their well. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, and that's the worst moments make nothing, the best bartenders. Nothing like I've been I've worked at several bars and nothing grinds service to a halt quite like breaking glass in your well. Yeah. Cuz mm-hmm. you got to burn it. You got to stop. 
you don't have to stop at the Roosevelt Room. You don't. You've got a your, team. Your barbacks jump into action. They make sure that you don't have to even You've got pause. ice already to put in the next round you're building yeah. while they burn that that it's, well around you. It's wild and it's so impressive. It's I I am I like I'm in awe of our team every time I see it happen. Absolutely. Like I mean, I have holy holy shit. Fingers crossed, but I haven't broken glass in my well. Ever? In, in quite a long time. Okay. Knock, knock quite, on wood. No, no. Well, and that's knock. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. fingers crossed, <laughs> knock on wood. It's been a very long time. But I did it pretty recently twice. Oh, that's brutal. Same night? No, not same night. Oh, okay. Just like, that's fair. Like, well, I mean, like, accidents happen. Like, it's part of the thing. That What sets us apart is we burn the well instead of shoving ice that's full of broken glass into people's cups. Yeah. Cups? Cups? Crabs. Crabs and cups. <laughs> um, <laughs> that all being said, though, like, just the immediate recognition in a room full of hospitality professionals and the immediate call to action that everyone feels is unlike anything else I've experienced. Yeah. In the, the Roosevelt Room is a really... Are about broken ice or about fire? We're talking broken about... Broken glass we're talking, in good ice, we're talking but about also our, fire. We're talking about our team and how good they yeah. are yeah. I mean, solving I, I problems. And why yeah. fire is worth more. I, yeah, I know you want to rein me in, Elise. No, I get where okay. you're coming from, but you'll never do it. But <laughs> at the end of the day... <laughs> like, that's fair. To, to so, but, no, that's, that's really cool and really good. <laughs> <laughs> to, to button this up... I'm proud of you both. Thank you. <laughs> to, to button this up, uh, does fire is fire just a gimmick? Kinda, kinda. Does it? I do make think it drinks changes more ex- flavor in drinks like the Blue Blazer, and I do think it changes and the aromatics in cocktails and aromatics. for sure. But does it? Does it also? It, is it also an immediate way to make cocktails more expensive? Also, sure yes, is. But uh, would I also pay five dollars to have? Every single drink that I have lit on fire. What is what is the Maybe. beautiful what is the beautiful <laughs> spectacle of the miracle of fire worth to you? I mean, it is what created civilization. So well, it's like it's what powers I mean, our everyday lives. It's what makes can us you human. can you have you ever <laughs> driven a car? Can I introduce you to the combustion engine? Yeah. Uh, like, can you put a price? That's thirty thousand dollars for fire. I'm just asking. Can you put for a five. price on our evolution and how? And, civilization exists because of fire try cooking I mean, a saber-toothed tiger without yeah, fire dog. try just try it how much dare you, you i dare you to cook a saber-toothed tiger, tiger without fire bet you won't how much would you pay to see a saber-toothed tiger cooked or in general or in general with fire but also fire is there love fire big love fan fire. of that man this is turning into like a matthew mcconaughey whiskey meets perfume commercial <laughs> bit he said rosebuds, orange blossoms. You wouldn't drive a fire, but it you could smells drink it like with my that whiskey belt you got. Wild turkey, long branch, oh, the toilet. Oh, the toilet. Perfume for whiskey lovers. All right, and all right, all right. Drive a Lincoln. Drive a Lincoln. Drive a Lincoln. Drive your Lincoln right over to Sephora. <laughs> Saber tooth on fire. <laughs> the bottle is in the shape of a saber tooth tiger, and it does feature both. It does feature both mesquite and the good, good wild turkey whiskey. 
<laughs> anyway. And the and the the unquenchable fire <laughs> of the Texas spirit. In oh, this Kentucky me, whiskey. <laughs> and if you can figure out who <laughs> the murderer was before I did and true detective, then you do get a discount. It was the waiter in the living room with the candlestick, however. Wow, I didn't even know the waiter was a playable character. I don't play Clue, thanks. If they made a, <laughs> they made a Clue perfume, I would buy it. One T- Tim Curry's <laughs> musk. <laughs> Flames on the side of my face. You got another question. I'm itching to lay down some information. I'm honestly so sorry to everyone who's listening right now. If you've got a question for if, us, just go ahead and lay that if, on out for us. If if you're still listening, all I... right, all right, all right. Time for the next okay. question. Time DM us, and I will question. figure out a prize for you. And it might just be me saying that I love you. Um, we but, love you here at the. Um, Honestly, if you're still listening and you DM us, I will, I will say that. I can edit so much of this out, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not gonna. But I'm not gonna. I like it. Anyway, so I think this is an interesting question because I'm, I'm gonna read the question and then I'm gonna rephrase it in another way in case it's easier to answer. Because she's smarter. Even with a concussion. Even with eighty percent. I'm twenty percent dumber, but I'm still pretty. Eighty percent smart. I'm still eating. <laughs> That's what they say. Um, so if you were to open your own bar, how would you set it apart from the existing bars? I eat. What are some things that make a certain bar special? And so if you have any ideas, but if you've been in a bar recently and have been like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. Like how have other bars like set themselves apart for you? You know, it, it kind of ties back into the fire question, unfortunately. Um, if you can light every drink on fire, then fuck well, yeah, I'll go. I once went to a bar that was on fire. It was very, <laughs> very, I'd say cool, you but it was it very here? hot, actually. Fire um, bars. You've, you've fire heard of bar. ice Clown bars? bars? You've heard of um, ice bars? Now it's fire bars. Uh, no, I think the thing that for me at least, like, I do enjoy drinking great cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoy much more than that when I go to a bar. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the experience, the interaction, the ambiance, the, the service, the service, mm-hmm. the visuals. I enjoy watching people, you know, mm-hmm. noticing what kind of com- community that bar cultivates. Mm-hmm. You know, so to narrow it down to one thing, I think is hard when so many bars do so many things so great. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's oftentimes a hard sell to push really great and really genuine hospitality into the same area as great cocktails. You know, I I, I think with some level of investment, you tend to lose a little bit from either. Um, So I I don't have any groundbreaking ideas by any Mm -hmm. means. I, I think it all comes down to what, this was all built off of and it was the neighborhood place that you knew that guy who threw a party every Mm -hmm. night and that's why you went there because he was throwing the party and he had what you wanted to have Mm -hmm. you know i've been to places that have great cocktails i've been to places that have great service i have been to way fewer places that have both exactly um both are required in order to have something that is that is truly spectacular and I think I think you know you have to curate a vibe. You have to 
you have to make this thing the this thing that is cocktail bars something different than the one next to you. It doesn't have to be right. truly unique. It just has to be it has to be personal. Um, like if I were to create a cocktail bar, it would be a lot like this show. Like it would be a lot like a, a, a bar conversation, a conversation and, and something that, that like, because I love that aspect of cocktails. I love the aspect of figuring out with your guest what they want. That's my favorite thing is, is like when somebody's like, I don't know what I want. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's have a conversation. Let's figure out what do you like about it? What are you open to trying? What are you not open to trying? Is there a vibe you're going for tonight? Is there a flavor profile that you absolutely love or absolutely hate? Is there like what are the like if do you have a spirit category that you absolutely love or absolutely hate? Like right. let's let's push these boundaries. Yeah. Like is there something that you're on the fence about that we can like maybe like maybe I'll let you maybe I'll make something and see if you like it and if you don't I'll make you something different I don't right. care well that's the thing I'm I'm here to make your night you know I I had a guest that her son was in a treatment program here in Austin um, and she'd come in two or three times a week uh, and first day she sat down in front of me and I had this conversation with her and I was like well you know what don't you like and she told me gin hmm. I was like well. I'll have you like in gin by the time you leave Austin. I promise you that. But we'll start off easier today. You know, and by the time she left Austin, she'd start off her night with a Clover Club or a Floridora. Absolutely. Like, you know, it's it my my favorite thing is to give that And and it's it's interesting, you know, the you get the people who say they don't like gin and you can just kind of see it in I don't start the conversation of like I know I can make you like Jen. Right. With every single right. guest. No. You but get, there's like there's something in people's eyes that Which would be like, really weird if that's what you did. No, but, <laughs> but, but like, yeah, have like, some more gin but, sound. But I often try to change people's mind on gin, but I, I there's some like I can't it's intangible, but there's yeah. something in some people's eyes where it's like, I know there's, I can change your mind on it. Yeah. Well, and that's that's part of. Or the I know I can get you. And... Like I know I can get you thinking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like which that was like uh, with daiquiris. Like I've like sat at the bar and watched you pitch daiquiris to people, yeah. and people have been like, "Lily daiquiri," and then you like, and I'm like, like yeah. "Holy shit, this is good." <laughs> and and that's like so I that's I can't I can't like really that. quantify. It's fun to watch. Yeah, and I can't really quantify when I know, like why I know. Right. When I know that somebody is open to that, but I know when someone's open to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, I think that that's one of those intangible things that that set some bartenders apart from others. But I and I think it's something that can be learned. But I do think that like the intuition of that is something that is invaluable in this industry. But I think that like I think that most bars, you know, if you're gonna make a bar. Part of it should be the conversation, and I love yeah. that part. So I would make that a centerpiece. Exactly. Um, I love the, the. I mean, we've talked about this. I love TV. Yeah. I would make TV like part of the part of the like inseparable from the bar. Like yeah. in terms of like maybe drink names. Maybe I I base a co- certain cocktail on a character or like just the decor of the bar. You know, right, like right. maybe I've got just like sitcom kitsch everywhere. Like. That's that's something that I've thought about a lot, and and it's something that I know. Like there are other bars that do like kind of like right, TV pop culture, pop culture, kitsch kind of stuff. But like I know that the way I 
would do it would be different than what I've seen. Right. And like, and and the comp and just because the idea isn't new doesn't make it like your combination of ideas altogether can be. Uh, and I think it does require like a collection of ideas and not just one central concept. Right. Um, so there are lots okay. of things that I would do differently and lots yeah. of lots of things that I would do the same. I have something specifically because you're from or like you have experience in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So like I feel like with a bar, like if you can just make like really, really good drinks, even if they're not like inventive or anything new, if they're just really delicious and good and if you're really nice and you have a great sense of hospitality and like every time you go you have a great experience like everyone's really nice to you whatever but i feel like specifically in new orleans we talk so much about the sound design of all the bars and restaurants specifically we talked about pesh um Um, pesh has really good sound design and it's really like subtle but like you can sit at any table in that restaurant. I, I firmly believe you can sit at any table in that restaurant and no matter how loud it gets, you can hear the people across from you. Yeah. Because like I, I feel like that's something that like is so like it seems like not a main focus, but it's fun to go into a restaurant and see like sound design right. built into places. And in New Orleans, like Pesh, but also like some other places just I think had... Shia also had really good sound design. Shia okay, did. like there were a lot of places that have just like this... sound design built into it. And I love going to a place where you can actually like hear what everyone's yeah. saying and like you can hear that the leans that into going the with. experience it... rather than and obscures it. Yeah. And and, so and like... presence of of like presence between like among parties, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I don't I don't know if you have any any thoughts on that but like I, honestly if I was like just that's like, fair good consistent drinks ho- great hospitality be kind sound design and then like lighting I want to be able to see the well and I I think and, that's like, that's a lot of bars I don't remember who said this to me it's probably me probably you're very <laughs> smart and very cool uh, but it was. You know, a lot of bars miss the mark in the thought that. <laughs> Land just took a sip it, of my cold snack. In the thought that a bar is supposed to be this place where you go and feel uncomfortable. Because it's not. Well, it, it's like when when you start talking about dress codes, nicer bars, more mm-hmm. celebratory experiences. At what point does being forced into something you may not normally adhere to start to take away from the experience? Because at the basis of it all, it's a party that this building is throwing. Every single day. Every single day. Here are your personalities. Here is what we've got to offer you. I hope you come and enjoy it. I don't think... I mean, I think that the idea is like, I think that there's a difference between making people uncomfortable and the comfort zone. Right. Like I think that, that we should always operate within every single individual guests comfort zone. Right. But I think that, that for the people that kind of feel you can kind of tell. Yeah. The folks well, that, that this are, isn't everybody's like that normal stomping grounds. cramped by you can, you can tell the people that feel cramped by, <laughs> 
the boundaries of their comfort zone. Right. And and it's it's this again, it's this kind of intuition thing where you can just kind of tell when these people like are ready to push past it. And you don't take them out of it, but you just kind of well, you kind of encourage or them to nudge things feel comfortable and, and like enticing and exactly. appealing when they wouldn't have thought of it otherwise. Yeah. You can take the things that seem esoteric or or uncomfortable and and shed them in a new light. You can do yeah. all these things, and that's what makes. And again, that's that's. I think at the end of the day, what makes a good bartender exactly a great bartender. That's why nothing matters the most. Not scenery, not vibe, not the bartender, not the bar or the drinks. It all matters equally the same. Because if anything is off, if anything isn't able to compensate for that other thing, I will say. I agree with you. Like the best places have all of it in equal measure. But you can make up a lot with for a, a lack a lackluster place. A good bartender That's why can, I threw in that compensating note. Yeah. <laughs> a good bartender can like the best bartenders can hold court in any space. Absolutely. And make any space feel like home to the people that are there because yeah. I, I and i've i've had that happen like, i will say i won't i won't name the bar because i i don't want to name the bar but there was a place which, which in, in nashville that like they the me- drinks were messed up like things weren't whatever the the bar was a vibe and it's close to our house but like it it the was drinks like, were almost always wrong. They were like nice. you'd be like you'd be like I ordered a margarita. This isn't a margarita. This is a Paloma. What like whatever it was. You're like I ordered a Paloma. I got a margarita. Like it would just be like this is the wrong drink. But they'd be so nice that I'd be <laughs> like I'm having a good time. Yeah. And then there were the times <laughs> where there were the times where there was this bartender who's fairly pro- prolific in the Nashville scene. He like was between jobs and he was pulling shifts because it was right around the corner from his place. And when he took over the bar there, it was a whole different thing. Like yeah. He, like, we would go back there because it was close to our house. The drinks were never, like, Food was bad. cheap. The tr- yeah. Food was cheap and good. And, like, the vibe was on point. It was awesome. And then yeah. he, like, we would roll up and he would be there. And he just, like, he was, like, all right, guys, like, I got you. And would, like, just whip together some some beautiful drinks given, like, mediocre tools and right and held court in a way that no one else there did and so like even though we went back there even though the drinks weren't the best the vibe was good and the food was good and, and like all these other things brought us back yeah proximity to home um but but i'll i'll always remember the times when he was there mm-hmm. yeah because yeah. he he just rocked that space in a way that no one else did mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He also never forgot our drink orders. Yeah, they were always right. Pretty when good. We <laughs> I'm not that good. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's a good, nice little, sweet little note to leave it on. Yeah. Uh, hey, thank you so much for being here. Oh, of course, mm-hmm. we're both it's so busy all the time, and I'm so glad you were able to carve Very out some tired. time. Uh, I know. Anything for you though, my love. Hey, you too. Um, <laughs> that was so insane. It was wild. Uh. But thank you all for joining us uh, on, here on Bottle Episode. Uh, Chris, do you have anything that you would like to plug? Anything you'd like to promote? I think I know you do. I don't. You don't? 
No. Don't you have a thing that you're working on? With I Well, I am currently in the midst of working on my own podcast. It is because I am so busy and so tired and so fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently up in the air a bit. Um, but if, if you like drinking co- uh, podcasts, this is the professional bartender's guide for the cocktail enthusiast. Ours is a little less directive towards anyone in particular. <laughs> we might get really nerdy at some points, uh, but it should be a fun time. Uh, I'll be embarking on that project with my friend Ivan Serna. It is called, uh, wow. What is it called? Neat Cock- Pores <laughs> Mixed Feelings. I love that. That's so great. Isn't that kind of cute? Yeah. And y'all are going to be doing a lot of like video podcasts. Yeah, we're stuff. hoping to have uh, a vodcast and podcast as the mainstay, but we hope to do some like cocktail shorts, a lot of videography projects Very on cool. the side of that. But. Awesome. Nice. I love that. Um, well, thank you so much. Uh, I love you. And then as far as we go, uh, Elise, do you want to take it away? Sure. Uh if you want to listen to another podcast after this one, I have a podcast called World is Burning um, about the climate crisis. And our last few episodes have been all about um, concussions. Concussions. <laughs> the last one I was concussed. I can't remember. Saying. I don't know. I was even more like out of it than I was Oof. now. So uh, it was fun, though. Uh, but it's all about like how to deal with climate doom or like the, our most recent episodes were how to deal with climate doom and individual individual action versus collective action and what to do with that um it's all a lot of big scary stuff but we like to try to make it not so scary and fun um so if you want to listen to something after this uh go ahead and listen to world's burning and i also have a vintage store called heist vintage so if you need cute clothes i'm here for you anyway um if you want to be friends with us on the internet um, or in real life, if if you I'm okay, nice. if you don't want to ask me questions on the street, like a real man, you should follow <laughs> us on Instagram at Bottle Episode Pod, or on TikTok at Bottle Episode Pod, and DM us questions there. Or you can also email them uh, if you're not on any of those things, or if you are, whatever. I would um, recommend anything long form go to the email. I don't check that, but maybe you do. Three page Instagram DM. <laughs> yeah. I, ch- I check our email if you it uh i check it pretty regularly um so far in inbox is mostly cr- crickets and dust but uh maybe maybe someone will send us an email eventually and again if you dm us saying you listen to the entirety of that whatever bit that we had for a while either the, honestly any bit that we've had this entire time if you dm us and just say you listened i will respond back saying that I love you with a little kissy face emoji and that is a promise. Anyway. And a full nude. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, TBD on if I will make an OnlyFans um, spinoff of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Bottle episode podcast. Um, yeah. Anyway. Probably won't send a nude, but will absolutely <laughs> send a kissy face emoji and tell you I love you. Um, and that's about it, folks. We'll see you next time. I'm Elise signing off. I'm I'm Land signing off. Thank you all so much. Uh, and also one more thing: uh, if you like the podcast, please 
rate and review us on iTunes or Spotify. Five-star reviews are preferred. Uh, If you don't have a five-star review, then we do recommend that you email us and tell us why you hate us. And then we'll have a nice little conversation and you'll find out why you were wrong. Yeah. Also, Um, if you DM us saying that you gave us a five-star review, I will also tell you that I love you. Send a full nude. Send in full nude. Sorry. That's the that's the that's the bottom of the search prompt. Uh, one okay, of us, okay. one of okay. us will roll, we'll flip a coin. One okay. of us will send like you that. a name. Yes, have, you're okay. We haven't started our Patreon yet, but you're gonna have to at least subscribe to our Patreon for that. <laughs> All right. Look, right now I'm we haven't started a Patreon. We'll give a dollars. we'll give it away. We'll give away. We'll give it away. <laughs> We'll give away the nudes for free if you do a five-star review. We'll flip a coin to see who does it. And I'll kiss you on the mouth if you ask me a question in person. uh (laughs) And I will also kiss you on the mouth if you ask me a question in person. Um, And then once we start a Patreon, that will cost at least $5 a month. And it will be on fire. <laughs> and also on fire. <laughs> well, it would be worth well, 10 then. $10 a $10 month. $10 a and, month. And there's the kisses, fire. If you want. The full kisses nudes and, and kisses nudes on the mouth. The kisses and nudes will be on fire for $10 a month. <laughs> Honestly, a steal. Thank you all so much for joining us. We love you. 